welcome to the Vanquish Your Business Demons podcast. I'm Julia Stock, business revolutionary. The lovely Vicky Henderson is on a holiday this week, so I am joined by my fellow revolutionary, the lovely Bill Stock. Hello. Good morning. Yes, she rudely went to Spain without us, didn't she? Yeah, I think she's got the better end of the deal looking out the window this morning as well. <laughs> the joys of the UK in November. Um, <laughs> we are talking about customer service today, aren't we? We are indeed, yes. Um, because we experienced a customer service fail at the weekend, didn't we? So I think the technical term is epic fail. And we've been chuntering about it since Saturday, and today is Tuesday. But it's not so much chuntering, it's like wondering how you can get it quite so wrong, when it really shouldn't be that hard. Okay, so do you want to say what the epic customer service fail was then? Okay, so on a very busy... Saturday morning where, where we had other places to be, we sort of decided to have a car test drive, as you do. You decided to barge yourself in on my car test drive, can okay, I just okay. say? Yeah, that, is, that is true. Okay. Um, so you're, like, you're talking about turning up for a nine o'clock test drive. Which um, involved leaving the house at half past eight on a Saturday, which is antisocial in itself. Well, I get up at half past seven on a Saturday morning, so that doesn't put you in a great mood in the first place, I suppose. But, you know, when you book something in, at the beginning of the day when you think, okay, nine o'clock slot, shouldn't be a delay with that, shouldn't be an issue. Um, and you turn up to find out that the car salesman is dealing with somebody else. And there's nobody really to, to look after you. You have a conversation with one of the other salesmen about the weather. Um, and you stand around in the showroom looking at the cars. We're okay, I guess. Um, for about 15 minutes, and then realize the guy's still cat talking. And you're sitting there going, looking at me, watching, thinking, Yeah, I've got other things to do today, other places to be. And I've got about a half an hour extra in bed. You know, that doesn't put you in a favorable, positive mood with respect to the product. No. And for me, what was most egregious was the fact that while the salesman was dealing with other customers and I have no problem with the salesman dealing with other customers. That's fine. But if you knew ahead of time that you were dealing with other customers, you could have contacted us or got somebody else to contact us, say, hi, we're having a crisis. You could have arranged for one of your, we're really not doing anything, sales colleague friendies, um, because our salesman was literally the only person with customers at 9am on Saturday morning, wasn't he? It was. Yes. It was indeed. Nobody else. There must have been 10 other staff in the showroom and the not a single other one had a customer. But the frustration is that knowing that when you get to a test drive, you have to hand over your driving license. You have to sign away your life and fill in a whole load of bits of paper. And anyone else in that showroom could have done that and, and short-circuited like the first 10 minutes of the process. At which point we'd have been more locked in um, yeah. and less likely to walk out, which we did. Um, it's same as in a restaurant, if they're not really speedy with taking your drinks order, there's no reason for you to hang around. There was one restaurant I remember, that I won't name the names because that would be inappropriate, but yeah, they were really good at, like, you either, it was 50 50, you either walked in and you got your drinks within the first, you know, five, six minutes. Oh, you were sitting there for half an hour. And that, that, that's, it's 
it's how you pull somebody in and yes. lock them into the process. Yes, and it, Saturday just felt like a business that was set up for the convenience of the people working in the business. Um, so I had filled in an online form requesting this test drive. He just happened to be the guy that phoned me. We had no other relationship, yet somehow within this showroom, the fact that he booked me in seemed to be sacred. We were his customers and nobody was willing, able, interested to actually take over from him. Their own nonsense around their commission and their competition structure actually was impeding good customer experience, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, I, and you wonder whether or not, you know, I'm assuming that the, the bit that you booked up on on the website was run by kind of head office central function, whereas they're passing out leads to, to local regional franchises. You know, the, what the, the statistics around the conversion rate on those leads actually is. Oh, I knew you'd get data soon enough. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, and you could then go into, oh, well, you know, our salesman was the only one that had been s s trained on this product, which would be another excuse. But I have feeling that they are part of the argument is they only have the one of those cars. <laughs> only one guy knew how the car worked. But all a bit scared. I think they are a bit scared, but that's not really the point, is it? It's a test drive. I'm either going to get in the car and really like the interior and I'm going to either really love how this car drives or it's going to be a bit meh. But I think the other thing you need to think about also is walking around the car, the, the car garage. So the one that we were looking at, we weren't naming names, but it was maybe three times the price of most of the other cars in the garage. We, uh, we might as well name it. So we went to test drive the Ford Mustang Mach-E, which is something that's been talking to me for a while um, and is a ridiculous um, contraption. Um, but you and I do like a ridiculous contraption test drive. It is yeah, quite yeah, have... cheap entertainment on a Saturday morning. I would say that. Nobody will ever another test drive ever again. But you, you kind of like, you have to ask the question, like, so you're like, you're comparing a garage, which is basically full of things which are the sort of Ford Focus and price range end of the end of the line with this thing, which has, which is sitting outside, which is three times the price of everything else. And it, oh. I don't think they price has got anything different. to do with it because, you know, two, three years ago, I was buying a second hand Toyota Yaris for six grand, even though it was an Igo. Um, and the Toyota garage were brilliant, absolutely lovely. Couldn't have been more helpful, yet it was a six grand second-hand tiddly little thing. It's never about price, ever. You know, I would, if I, if I was test driving a Ford Fiesta and I've made an appointment, I've gone to the effort of making an appointment, I expect to rock up and the appointment to happen. It's the same when you make an appointment with the hairdressers. Yes, you might expect to wait a couple of minutes while they finish somebody off, but you can, 
you know, I mean, the hairdressers, they make you a cup of tea. In the Ford garage, it was go make yourself a cup of tea. <laughs> Just, you know, it's not I, hard, I, is yeah. it? I don't know what to call it, what, yeah. They don't even have a reception desk. They were missing the teenager, weren't they? There's, no, there's normally a young person at the front who, who well, guides you in the right direction and makes sure, make sure your experience is good, but maybe that's... It was just... And then they just thing? seemed... Hmm. Yeah, a little... It was just that feeling of somehow we were being ungrateful and unreasonable in going, yeah, we've been here 20 minutes, this guy's showing no signs of finishing with this customer, which is fine. Um, but seriously, they wouldn't even let us sit. It didn't occur to them to let us sit in the car either, did it? No, they didn't even let the car. Yeah. yeah. So that was, I appreciate the fact that it was quite cold outside, but we could have sat in the car and pressed the button. Yeah, that's what we'd normally do. And that was the other interesting thing, that they only had the one product and there wasn't one in the showroom. I'd, I'd be wondering whether they actually had a car to sell it, even if we had decided that day to buy one. Well, we'd have I been in a long been, queue, which is... been like buying two years' time, whereas he was doing with, dealing with a sale, which was happening today, and therefore he was making money out of it today. And we weren't really very interesting. It was a bit of an inconvenience. Absolutely. And none of that from a customer service perspective is what you want, is it? So... I, I actually don't have a problem with somebody turning around to me and saying, I can't actually sell you a car for 18 months. We could have this test drive this week, or you could come back in six months and we'll have another conversation. It might yeah, be a two-year waiting is... list at the way cars are going in the UK at the moment. Yeah. But it's kind of interesting, isn't it, that Ford head office are doing this huge sales campaign on come and have a test drive in our new electric car that's not at you. It's been around for at least a year. Um, you know, test drive, test drive, test drive. Um and they're pushing that you can have a 24-hour test drive. So we'd already had a downgrade when he went, I can't actually give you a 24-hour test drive, but I can do you a test drive. Um, so there's already this disconnect between what head office are putting out and what the franchises are actually able to deliver, which is one downgrade in expectations. And then, yeah, it's that thing of not actually having the conversations around who, where, why, what, how, or just being prepared to phone and go, yeah, somebody's just rocked up. Can you deal with it, somebody else? Um, so from a business owner perspective, having had nearly 11 minutes of whining about this, um, one day we'll get it off our chests. Yeah. From a business owner perspective, what can we do to make sure that we deliver excellent customer service? I, I think what came out on Saturday was that they there were a lot of Indians and not many chiefs. You know, there was nobody who was sitting there chore choreographing the activity of the sales staff. They were all sitting there on their individual tables, not really talking to each other. Um, but there was nobody funneling. There was nobody for us to go and talk to as we walked in and go, right, you go and talk to Fred. You came here to see Bob, but Bob is busy. Go talk to Fred instead. There was nobody doing that. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Coordination. Like. Yes. Coordination. Yeah. Um, and how you do that to optimize it is the oversight role 
of what's going on. And that was missing on Saturday morning. But also, ultimately, you've got to have a customer experience that's designed with the customer in mind. And this is where an awful lot of businesses get it wrong, is they get caught up in their own nonsense. Um, So Bob got the lead, so I can't give it to Fred or Frederica um, because that will upset Bob's ego. And it's not about Bob's ego. It's about the customer giving the customer a good experience and ultimately converting that sale. Um, One of the key reasons why we walked out on Saturday, of course, is a car is not just for Christmas. Um, You end up having a servicing relationship with that garage. And we just looked at each other and went, yeah, no, (laughs) we're good, thanks. Um, I don't need this every time I have to deal with you. No, I think there there is a lot of weight potentially involved. Um, It is quite nice that there is another garage that hasn't impressed me over the last six months and the ability to to, to hand my car over within 15 minutes and turning up after servicing it and and it's clean and and they go a little bit beyond um, what's really required. And that that makes a difference. It makes a happy customer with good experience. Yes. But so the first thing, if we're looking at it from a business owner perspective, is we need to know what our customer expectations are. Yeah. You've got to understand that their time is precious. And they're giving you a little bit of their time. You need to make the most of what you can do. Don't abuse it. But different people have different expectations and an awful lot of people who complain about poor customer service it isn't necessarily because the customer service delivered was objectively poor and this could have been the case for us on saturday that it wasn't objectively poor you could say our expectations were not met which is why we reacted as we reacted you can then argue whether or not our expectations were or were not reasonable. Oh yeah, it's a nine o'clock appointment, and <laughs> we kind of expect something to start happening within twenty minutes. <laughs> it's the yes, are my expectations reasonable? Because and particularly in a longer term service relationship knowing what your potential customer's expectations are of your product or service. So having that conversation through the sales process actually solves an awful lot of issues later on, doesn't it? Because you can either then go, you're going to drive me completely insane. Thank you very much. But no, we're not the right people for you. Or you're going to drive me completely insane. I'll charge you some extra money. Um, just to make sure that I'm being paid to deal with this pain. Um, or you can make the decision, I've got no choice, I need to put up with this person. Yeah. There is, I'm not entirely sure the guys on Saturday actually got to the point where they could work out whether we were worth the hassle of dealing with. So you do not actually need to be having making some kind of judgment around the person and talking to them enough to work out how expensive they are going to be to deal with. And to his mm. credit, the salesman did email us on Saturday morning apologising, explaining, 
And he did then offer me the 24 hours test drive that I originally wanted. Um, but I was kind of over it by then. Well, that is it. It's a bit of an opportunity lost to impress. I suppose, I suppose if you've got somebody who's a brand new customer, I mean, it's one thing if it's somebody who, who knows you already. But if you're talking about somebody who's never bought the product from that particular well, brand. Well, they don't before, know whether or not we've ever bought the product from that brand before. But they ought to know at that point, you know? Well, only if you've asked the question. Well, this comes into the pre-qualification for all your leads and that sort of thing, where you look at who you ask. Yeah, you want yes. to do the intelligence gathering around what and you've got. And again, that thing of, it's a £75,000 car, potentially, by the time you've got all the extras on it. Well, so you perhaps... All the extras in, yeah. <laughs> Harsh, but not untrue. Um... But maybe it was a £65,000 car. You were the one that wanted the big engine. Um, but he didn't even ask, what car are you driving currently? So he has no idea whether or not we can potentially afford that car or not. Well, he, he hadn't. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the point, isn't it? You look at, you know, can your customer, can, they, can I afford the car? Yeah. How, do you make, how do they make a judgment around, around that? Realistically, if somebody if sitting in the foreground and somebody turns up with you know a car of similar sort of value and you're like, well, yeah, you can afford it. I'm I'm, I'm a good bet, especially if that car is then four, three or four years old. You know, coming to the end of its lease plan, he's clearly shopping. He clearly has the money. Potentially, yes. Yeah. Um, so you do Um. And but on the other hand, there's plenty of high end salespeople that will tell you that you really can't tell based on how somebody presents themselves in the showroom as to whether or not they really do or really don't have the money. But I think that there are tells normally. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, but it's the age old you can't tell by how somebody dresses what they're actually worth. But at the same time, if you if you're talking, you ask a load of questions around. Yeah, okay, so what you've got at the moment. How are you paying for it? How do you want to pay for it? Yeah, there's this pattern of behaviour. If you can establish the pattern of behaviour sort of suits what you're looking for, then it's worth spending a little bit more time on it, treating it as a slightly more priority. Um, yes, and it's the kind of tri triaging people into having a test drive or triaging people out of having a test drive. It's how difficult you make it. Um, it's the best curiosity thing. Yes. You need to be curious about your customer because if you don't, you're just like, you might as well just be, I don't know, flinging darts in random directions. Yes. Um, and again, the customer curiosity comes back to understanding the customer's expectations, desires, wants, all of those kind of things um, does make a massive difference. As a business owner, how can we make sure our staff care about delivering amazing customer experience. Yeah, how do we force people to add some mindset, isn't it? That's a bitchy question. <laughs> <laughs> yes, some people like doing this sort of thing about making people happy. Other people are just like, yeah. Okay. Customers. So, yeah. so the first thing is whether we as a business owner care. Yeah. Because you, there you are some with your organization, don't you, about you know, what is the most important thing? Is it the bottom line is the customer, is the customer always right? Depends Even how to range the customer is. But yes, it is that thing of, you at least need to 
fake, like the customer is always right, to the customer's face. Um, you need to be quick and genuine in your apology of what you feel able to apologize for. But it's also, it's also a question of like when you start, when somebody buys something from you, especially if you're talking about a longer term relationship, at that point, you basically committed to doing this thing. And you kind of need to go through with your end of the deal. Uh, and, and, you know, it's the whole let's, let's exceed expectations. Um, to exceed expectations, we have to be nosy enough to know what those expectations are within driving a sales team or a, a customer facing team. Um, we are in charge of who we recruit. So it's about actually making sure we're recruiting people into those customer facing roles who are naturally warm and empathic. I want to be there. Who are naturally helpful, who do have good communication skills, um, who are organized, who are pretty self-motivated. These are all things that are difficult to assess within standard recruitment, which is where things like psychometrics can make a massive difference to see whether or not actually those people in those customer facing roles are that interested as opposed yeah. to somebody who is so interested in achieving their own targets, they don't actually play well with others. Well, it is a team game as well, isn't it? That's the, that's the really important thing to remember. So you, if you be an organisation effective, everybody needs to play the team. And, and if it becomes very competitive within the team, then it doesn't necessarily always deliver the right result. Which is the final part around how you organise how you choose to motivate your team. Um, I love a competition personally, but you are in charge as the business owner of how you organize the rules. So if you organize it so that people are disincentivized to step in and support a colleague, you have got that wrong. Now, you don't want open stealing of customers, but the question is whether or not you are creating a joint sales target that has to be hit or whether or not you are creating a series of individual ones. That does come down to the personalities in the team, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You have to get the team, team dynamic right. Um, yeah. I think I do think there's... It felt a little old school in terms of the way the sales were set up on Saturday, as opposed to some of the other ones where they're very, very much more collective in the way they appear to work. I don't know whether they are or not, but that certainly seems that you certainly get the same sense that they're working as a team to achieve a team goal as opposed to an individual. I've got to sell so much to make my commission enormous. And you kind of have to ask the question, which one gives you the better long-term outcome for as a business? Yes. Um, um, and as the business owner, you are in control of how you choose to set those schemes up. They can work absolutely brilliantly. They can have hideous unintended consequences. Oh, yeah, you can get into a situation where somebody's doing all the work. Yeah. I have no idea if I was going to 
waste a ridiculous amount of money on that car on Saturday <laughs> because I never drove the car. I haven't even sat in the car. I know from the outside it is glorious, um, in my opinion. Um, but I'm probably never going to book the test drive. I'm probably never going to know because of that customer service experience. I don't um, know. Maybe I've got those four people on that listen to this podcast. Well, you must convert to themselves so you can come back next week and talk to them. <laughs> And talk about the amazing customer service experience. Um, yeah. There are other brands, even the, the the you know the everyday brands. You know, again, my Toyota experience, they were really good. They just maybe it's because I didn't have high expectations. I didn't actually particularly have high expectations on Saturday. My expectation was I'll rock up at nine o'clock and I'll have a test drive. <laughs> I don't think that was unreasonable. Um, but the guys at Toyota did what they said they were going to do when they said they were going to do it to the standard that they said they were going to do it in that I got a car and it worked. <laughs> um, I got the paperwork. Uh, there's a lot to be said for that though, isn't it? If you get a car that works, that actually, whilst it's a good experience for you, it makes life for the garage a lot easier. Which comes back to the final part of customer service that as a business owner we are in control of which is the right first time mentality mm. your staff at every stage within the business need to believe in right first time that comes mm. from the top but has to be in everything that you do when you have that right first time mentality everything is 37 times easier than when you don't because you're constantly having to waste time, effort, resource to go back and fix stuff that if you just had got it right, wouldn't need it. And not having a right first time mentality is probably the biggest thing that kills profitability, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to go around. And also, like, why would I come back if it doesn't work? Yeah. The product or the service has to be absolutely amazing to compensate for that. Um, and it's just not worth it, is it? Just do it right. Yeah. Um, at which point you go, it's not hard. Well, actually, it is. <laughs> Nowhere near as easy as it looks. And yes. there are a lot of people out there making it look really easy. Which are the people oh. who have the most fabulous customer service? And it's not all it's not just about having a really shiny showroom either. That's that's the other thing that gets me. It's just being slick as a process is, is what it's about. But first impressions count. So if you look shambolic when I first walk in, unless you're channeling quirky, um, then it's gonna be a turn off. Same as if you're too slick and pared back and modern then you'll turn some other people off um so yeah it's about how you look professional um how you act professionally indeed that seems to be a good place to end really doesn't it uh, yeah i don't think there's any way we can go with this one so marvelous thank you everybody for listening and thank you for your time dear